football. In general. Hello, hi everybody. It's Rob Case and Trevor Coppel. <laughs> Coming back with another week of football in general. Sorry, I just had to try to do the NFL Films voice. Trevor, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well, doing well. Excited to get back into the draft and, and talk about what's been going on this week. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, been a, quite a bit going on. How about the holdouts? Uh, what do you think about Xavier Howard taking a seat? Yeah, you know, I, I, I understand his perspective on the situation, not wanting to be, you know, the second highest paid cornerback on the team this season uh, when he's clearly outperformed. Uh, the other guy this, this you know in 2020 but um, he also has a huge contract in place he's on a 76 million dollar five-year contract um, so you know maybe he'll get a little bit more money out of a restructure but ultimately I don't think he's going anywhere and if he doesn't get more money he's just gonna have to keep playing at a high level uh, and and maybe come back for more money next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, you're the Xavion Howard of our team. How does it feel being paid? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not always. Uh... <laughs> but you, you, I think, I think our listeners know what I'm talking about. You know, he's he's clearly uh, outperformed Byron Jones in 2020. Byron Jones is is gonna make more money than him this year as it is. Um, I don't think Byron Jones has a five-year contract in place. I, I'm not sure on that one, but I know Xavier Howard has a huge contract with you know stability in it, and he's got a lot of money coming to him in the long run. Uh, so I, I don't fault him for trying to get more money. Uh, he, he's definitely the more valuable of the two cornerbacks. But um, you know, it, you know, you get this big contract, you're either going to outperform it or underperform it. I think. Uh, you should be glad that he's outperforming what's already a, a solid contract. So, um, would you consider him one of the top five corners in the league? Top three? Where where does he land in that? Conversation? I think I I think I can put him in the top five. Maybe mm. in the, maybe mm. in the top three, but I, I could put him in the top five. Yeah, I think he's like a definitely like a lockdown corner. Considering he's a ball hawk, he's got twenty pass deflections, a fifty three passer rating allowed last year and he's like one of the highest rated corners on pff routinely in the last two or three years i mean he's just you know i mean uh, you throw the ball to his side it, it's it's rare that he's gonna not make a play let's put it like that so right um yeah i, I mean it's a tough situation because you bring in byron jones and he wasn't playing corner in dallas in the last two years he's playing safety Arguably, he was a better safety than corner, and like you almost have to play him at corner because you gave the guy so much money. I think it was like over ninety million, you know, with a lot of it guaranteed. So uh, tough spot for the Dolphins. Uh, if you saw, if there were to be a trade for Howard, like what do you think his value would be? Ooh, that that's hard, and and I don't think Dolphins fans want to want to hear that scenario play out because uh, you know the the. The defense is really, in my opinion, what works for this Miami team right now. Uh, mm -hmm. keeps them, keeps them competitive, keeps them in the game. Um, 
So a, a guy that's under a five-year contract, um, he'd have to. I, I think he'll have to do a lot more than sit out to get traded at this point. Um, but a trade, gosh, that's interesting. Um, I don't think it's impossible that they that that you could ask for a first rounder for a guy like Xavier Howard. Um, yeah. May I mean maybe right in that sweet spot where you know that'd be plenty and, and anything less might not be enough. Well, it's um, like do you, so if you trade a premium pick like a first round pick for Xavier Howard or like two two first round picks or a second or a third like you kind of have to f- come back around and sign him to a really large contract. You know, like probably top corner in the league contract. So I don't know what that would be. Probably over a hundred million, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty steep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they go for these days. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, that's it's not like it's not like a lot of money to ask for a corner, but at the same time, it's like. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean. I don't know. You got to okay. So you got to give up the draft capital, and then put this guy is going to be like a decent percentage of your 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 cap room. I don't know, and he's probably a head case because he's sat out twice now. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. know, he's got ten interceptions playing in the AFC East last season. So I mean, who is he covering? Uh, yeah, that's the way I look at it. I don't think the Dolphins played a really really tough schedule last year. And I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't. I think it, you know nothing happens in a in a vacuum. And if you look at the, the receivers he's matched up against, uh, just looking down the line, I mean, if you play the AFC East eight times last year in, in a COVID season, <laughs> and you're matching up at best against Jamison Crowder or Jacoby Myers from New England, and then on the flip side, Stephon Diggs, which you know is what is who he is, but like those otherwise, that's your competition. I, I don't know. I like to see him in a better situation but i wonder let me ask you this uh do you think brian flores has lost this team a little bit considering this isn't the only guy that sat out or had an issue with his contract or some sort of thing going on with miami that i think is the more interesting uh topic and it's i you know keeping an eye on miami the last few years i kind of never understand what the hell their strategy is um, it, it seems to be working for them. I think they're a team that's getting better every year right now. But, uh, I, you know, they, they seem to always be bleeding talent. And somehow they do bring in other guys and young guys that, that just make the team better. And, you know, mm. so, uh, you know, uh, getting, you know, I, most recently that comes to mind is, uh, you know, parting ways with Kyle Van Noy. I thought Kyle Van Noy was a steal when they brought him in and, uh, hasn't worked out for him. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if things keep going the way they're going, then you can expect Miami's defense to be a little bit better this year than they were last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they'll be better in general just because Tua has another year under his belt, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens in the Savion Howard situation, man. I think it's something worth keeping an eye on, considering like if he doesn't play and he holds out, I think that's going to be a big impact on that defense. You know, um, going back to disgruntled corners 101. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of uh, Stephon Gilmore sitting out? Considering, uh, I mean, 
another disgruntled cornerback, AFC East, and he's only making $7 million as a base salary this season. And it's grumpy old Bill at the helm. Boobs on the beach. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Boobs himself, you know. So, I, you know, Stephon Gilmore is a player I really like. Um, I think, and, you know, for somebody that plays the position at this really high level, I, he, he always seems to me to be one of the most well-rounded cornerbacks at what he can do. Um, Seven million seems low, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, so, so I, again, this is another holdout that makes sense to me. Um, but it is uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriot way. So, I, I don't know if he's... Hey, gonna... be careful what you say yeah, about hey, the Patriot yeah, way, I'm just, Trevor. I'm just saying <laughs> that, that, that they don't... They don't often play ball with this kind of negotiation, and, and I don't know if uh, if I see him getting a, a whole lot more money. Um, and uh, I, I, I mean, I don't think the Patriots want to trade him. Yeah, well, it's like <clears throat> it's interesting because I see both both like teams being sort of like locked here because like without them, like I, I mean, the New England defense is like. Uh, I would say not in good position to replace Gilmore, and and same thing with Miami. I don't think either team is in a good position to replace to replace either player if they were to hold out for long periods of time or trade him or what have you. Um, I think Miami has a guy named Noah Ing by Ing Ing Ingo Nobi. Uh, it was a USC cornerback they took last year in the first round. Like I guess he could replace him. He's probably more of a slot guy. And for New England, it's like J.C. Jackson or Bust. Like they need that second corner to like to contend with like the Buffaloes and the, the Baltimore's and the, the other high powered offenses in the AFC, you know, like Kansas city and potentially LA chargers of the world, you know? So like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's the balls in the balls in bills court to make a, to, to make a move here. Like I don't see why uh, you don't just, just give the guy another $4 million. He's at 11 or maybe five. He's at 12. At the base salary, even if he got hurt last year, he's probably still your best defensive player. You know, right? No, and I agree. I, I, first of all, I think eleven or twelve million would be very reasonable for a player like Stephon Gilmore. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah. I see what you mean with with the Patriots, with the Dolphins. These are two teams that are going to have to lean on their defense, and in this league, it means leaning on that secondary. Um, so you know, you just have a lot of development going on on the other side of the ball with these two franchises. So uh, if there's totally. a time to negotiate for what you're worth, it's probably right now. So. Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like, what do you think Gilmore's value is if he were to be traded? Traded? I, I mean, I, I honestly think he's proven himself a bit more than Xavion Howard. So that being said, I do think he's a little more easily worth a first round pick or, you know, a, a, a package of high picks, like a couple of second rounders. You think um, Stefan Gilmore is worth the first round pick? I do. Wow. I do. Okay. The take, the take corner. You've been, you've been cornered. <laughs> I'm coming go. for you, Trevor. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, um, I, I can't agree with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, here's well, the thing. Well, you know, because I think you got a guy on the, on the other end of 30. Yeah, he was Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. Uh, I don't think he played all that well last year. I think he was good. 
I don't know if he was great. And granted, like, the front seven was pretty bad, so it's not always his fault. I mean, you can't cover a guy for 10 seconds, 10, 15 seconds in the NFL anymore without getting a, a holding penalty or pass interference or something. But I, I don't I don't see – no, I think he's – you know, if he were to get flipped to, like, San Francisco or uh, – I, I don't – this is just throwing out names here. Maybe somebody that could use him. Uh, I don't, I, Seattle, or, uh, I don't know. Somewhere not in the AFC. That's that's for sure. Like, <laughs> I, I think he go for like a second or third. Uh, maybe like two threes. Maybe like a three and a four, and the four would like escalate to a three depending on how well he did. I, I don't think he's worth first round pick. I, you, you're talking about a guy that you're not comfortable trading inside the conference. I think that's a first round pick type of player. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't deny his talent. I just think he's not a, I, given that his age and the fact that he's on, you know, he, I don't, I just don't think he's worth a first round pick. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't see it, you know. And then you, you got the injury last year. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has to keep up with, I'm Stephon Diggs of the world, you know. I mean, you add in uh, Corey Davis in the division and Devonte Parker. And uh, Jalen Waddle and uh, in AFC East, I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up with any of those guys. I, I'll believe it when I see it. But I mean, he's he's uh, he's coming off a pretty major injury, and he didn't really have a great season last season. And I think he was kind of tapped out sometimes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that I don't Stephon think a guy Gilmore, like that. I hope you're big. listening to this. Uh, <laughs> What's that? Uh, I said I hope Stephon Gilmore is listening right now. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I mean my 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 ultimate take on both these guys is that that neither one of these teams are gonna uh you know let these guys get away they need them too much right now yeah yeah well here, here's a guy who could get away chandler jones i mean what do we see with him he's another holdout by the way sorry i didn't right say that. right chandler jones you know edge rusher um yeah, so that's I mean from the Cardinals perspective he's not, you know, somebody they can't live without. Um you know, you, you just just bringing in JJ Watt, you, you'd like to see these guys on the same team for at least a season, see what they're capable of. Um but uh you know, it, I, I mean, this is a situation where I almost feel like it's reversed. The Cardinals could let go of, of uh, Chandler Jones, trade him, get some value. Uh, and if I'm Chandler Jones, you know, I don't want to be traded. I want to play a, a season with this team, with J.J. Watt on the other side of the line. Uh, I think if you play for the Cardinals right now, that team believes in itself. And they should. They they're capable. Um, this could be a huge year for the Cardinals. So I feel like that's that's the opposite situation that we've been talking about with these cornerbacks. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, like, and especially for Chandler Jones, like, I mean, he was the premier pass rusher in the league, like under the radar, obviously, outside of like Aaron Donald for like basically the last four, three, four, five years, you know, and like played really, really well in that that. That defensive line for Arizona, when at times they were probably one of the worst teams in the league, and he was still racking up racking up stats, you know. So uh, he got hurt last season. He didn't play the whole year. And uh, he's in a contract here, and he's, uh, like, I think 31, 32 years old. So 
I mean, like you hit the nail on the head. Like you're playing opposite JJ Watt. You're gonna have a lot of one on ones. The defense improves. They they drafted uh, the Tulsa linebacker there. They got Isaiah Simmons. You know, they got uh, <laughs> Buda Baker. It's like a defense that has it's super top heavy. And if if I'm Chandler Jones, like what's what's a better situation for you out there? I mean, are you gonna get the contract you want if you get traded? And that's exactly how I feel. I, I don't see it. You know, if if yeah. he goes somewhere else, I think he'll end up on a short term contract. Uh, right on a, team, on a team that that needs him but is looking to replace him and the I mean there I'm not saying that Arizona is a lock for the playoffs that's a really tough division no you just said it in. I, I heard it you they're, said it they're they're in a they're in a tough division but I think that yeah. that team has a real chance right now and mm-hmm. in the next few years to to take it the distance and you know coming out of that tough division they make it to the playoffs and anything is possible um so you know from that perspective if i'm chandler jones yeah maybe i'm trying to get a little bit more money but uh i don't want to go play for the lions you know <laughs> <laughs> just because you don't want to play for the lions trev doesn't mean chandler jones doesn't want to play the lions okay <laughs> So, just because you want number one corner money, Trev, doesn't mean I don't want number one corner money, okay? Um, yeah, he, he doesn't <laughs> want to go play for the Jaguars or somebody, you know? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, he wants to start his own team, you know? The Chandler Jones, I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I think, like, it, you know, it, it's a shame when you see like guys like this. Like, you and, I, he's not a guy I would, I would think would hold out. Does that make sense? You know, I think he's like he he's so humble. He doesn't he doesn't really get in the media other than one scuffle back in 2015, 2016 with New England. Like I I died. He's like a cardinal through and through. I, I just figured like he uh, he would be there long term. But um, hey man, you know it's a business at the end of the day. So that's why we're all in it. Um, last but not least, your boy Aaron Rodgers. Uh, still holding out, and the, the Packers can find Aaron Rodgers more than $90,000 after he missed a three-day minicamp in addition to the $500,000 workout bonus he forfeited for skipping voluntary minicamp. For every day uh, for every day of training camp he skips, it's a $50,000 fine, which can reach $500,000. I don't know if anybody kept up with that, but anyway. Um, and uh, if he money. goes and does the Jeopardy, or, well, it's a, a, a.k.a. a lot of money, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, if he doesn't and uh, host Jeopardy and he retires, it could cost him more than thirty million dollars. Uh, Trevor, uh, I thought you were hosting Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, I'm still waiting on the call for that one. Um, but mm, no, I mean, mm. uh, you know, some of our listeners might have seen his interview this week. Um, you know, played it about as cool as he could, um, but he was wearing an interesting T-shirt. And it just said, I'm offended. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the speculation, always uh, speculation. Speculation is that it's in reference to um, the team manager describing him as a, how does he describe him? Did he call him a, a complicated guy? That's what they called him. They called Aaron Rodgers a complicated guy. Mm. Um, and uh, apparently that's only... Uh, Furthered the divide hasn't hasn't brought them any steps closer to reconciliation. Um, so, 
big picture, the Aaron Rodgers controversy just continues. Um, at this point, like, if you're Aaron Rodgers, like, um, I, I, can you return to Green Bay? Like, does it even make sense? I mean, like, the, you, the longer just... it goes on, the more the more both sides play it the way that they are. It gets harder and harder to see it that way. Right. Um, there's certainly a, you know, it, it's not the entire uh, Green Bay Packer fan base, but there's a growing uh, feeling in the Green Bay Packer fan base that, that he's, you know, that there's, there's a lot of disappointment <clears throat> with how he's handling it. Um, you know, the, the, for a long time, the the, uh, the story has been that the organization doesn't give him enough help, doesn't use, you know, doesn't draft him weapons. But the truth is they, they are regularly in the playoffs. They went to the conference championship last season, uh, the, the year that they drafted a, a first-round quarterback. So that argument really doesn't uh, hold up. And the longer he stays away from team the team at this time of year, the more he does make it you know, harder to see him coming back and taking this team further than he took it last year. Hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, I think it's just a bad situation for everybody involved at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 it just, yeah. Well, I was going to say, it just seems like it's sort of inevitable that he's going to play somewhere else. But the, the fact of the matter is that a either green Bay has an offer and they won't pull a trigger on it, which I suspect you know, uh, or they have had offers in the past and they said no because they truly believe that he was going to come back. Or at this point, it's sort of like who's going to save face, you know? Right, right. And, and it's just not winning scenarios. You know, it's, it's very hard to imagine that Green Bay is going to do better without him, at least in the short term. Um, and it's, it's also hard to see that Rodgers gets what he wants plays somewhere else and returns to a conference championship, let alone a Super Bowl, with with another team that is desperate for a quarterback. We're not we're not talking about him going to a team that is already doing great, you know? Right. Um right. so like my question is as like a you and a Vikings fan, it's kind of like it, it works here. What is your like uh happy ending for this this scenario? Uh-huh. As a as a Vikings fan, well, just that part. Let me let me ask you a two part question. As a Vikings fan, and then as a football fan, what is like your happy ending? So, I, you know, some of my friends might be a little surprised to hear me say this. As a football fan, uh, the best thing that can happen is that Aaron Rodgers plays football, and that he starts practicing with whichever team he's going to play with as soon as possible. Um, the league is just better with him in it. It's exciting. Um, you know, his, his games are really fun to watch, even when you're rooting against him. Right. Um, as a Vikings fan, I hope he plays, you know, host Jeopardy for a season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's the uh, Vikings fan in me. Um, nobody's surprised that we don't have a lot of love for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, as a fan of the NFL, they need to figure this out and get Aaron Rodgers back in the league, whether it's with Green Bay, you know, trying to get over the hump, or 
uh, you know, trying to turn a franchise around like the like the Broncos. Right, right. Yeah, and and you know, like <laughs> as a as a person who hosts a podcast, I hope it prolongs. <laughs> so <laughs> but that's just that's just me i mean i'm i just want more more content more things to talk about so uh but you know at the end of the day i think I, I think everybody's sort of like it's been ongoing for like two or three years especially since mark murphy's been what president uh, that's his name right team president yep mark murphy of green bay it's just been going on and on and on and like it's dividing the fan base and it's dividing the players and it's just nauseating at this point and i i've never really been a Aaron Rodgers fan and certainly since I've heard him come out and talk more like on uh, Pat McAfee show by the way shout out to Pat McAfee if you're listening which you aren't but I hope you are because uh, and you know I I can't I just can't really stand the guy you know I, I, I something about me sort of irks me to my core the way maybe the way he holds himself or the things he focuses on I, I feel like he's more concerned about winning an MVP or compiling stats than going to an NFC Championship game and making a play when it matters, like ru- like running into the end zone when you have a clear path to go. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> you know, so like that's that's kind of um, that's just the way I feel about it. But uh, honestly, it's uh, it's a situation I I, I could either uh, take or leave it. You know, if it's going to go on, at least at least at least come out and say more controversial things so I can come back and reflect on them on the podcast. And if it's going to end, at least have them traded so I can reflect on it for at least two more shows. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all I'm, I'm looking for. So, uh, okay. Well, that's a lot of time we spent on, on these guys, man. Holdouts are just uh, nonstop. What do you think about some of the training camp uh, stories this week? Primarily, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about them here. Primarily, um, Justin Fields making some uh, some leeway in the, the starting job in Chicago. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting one. I think Justin Fields is is the definite uh, future in Chicago. Um, gosh, is it was it their head coach that keeps doubling down on uh, Matt know, Nagy? Andy? Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. I think Matt Nagy is the one who keeps saying that Dalton's going to be our guy to start the season, um, and it's it just feels really early to be that certain of it. Um, you know, especially with all the stories about how well of a mentor uh, Dalton is being right now, and and that's that's the best you can hope for is that uh, Dalton can teach Fields as much as he can, as fast as he can, um, because you know I I like Andy Dalton, and and I really liked him uh, when when he was you know on fire. Uh, with, He's always uh, on fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, um, he he's really had his chance. Um, it, it's difficult to see him putting together uh, a comeback, if you will. So, you know, and and it's it, it'll be reasonable if he does start for the season. But to uh, to be so firm in that right now, uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I you know. I... <laughs> The way I look at it is, if you have a a, a quote unquote quarterback controversy and or some sort of competition at the tr- at the quarterback position in training camp, you suck at that <laughs> at that position. I mean, that's just that's just the god honest truth. If you can't say this is my quarterback, ah, uh, boy oh boy, you know, like that's that's 
that's not that's just not good uh, i i don't really don't have a lot of qualitative reasons for it it's just a matter of the fact that you can't trust one guy under center is is enough to to, to feel real concerned about it so um i mean you know it's andy dalton uh, what, what else do you want me to say? I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, how can you be so confident in him when he can't even win a playoff game? You know, I, I yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, I like Justin Fields. I, I'm not sure he's like going to be an opening day starter. So I, I like to think that like it's Dalton's job to lose. So maybe like in four to eight week, uh, excuse me, four to eight weeks in the season, we'll see Fields. I think we'll see Mac Jones around a similar time. By the way, excuse me, uh, but I'm not really sure um, how either of these rookie quarterbacks are going to kind of turn out um, after the first three picks. Even Trey Lance, I, I still think they should start him, but you know that they're, they're going to go with Jimmy G. So it is what it is. Um, uh, what do you think about Tua throwing five interceptions in his first practice? You know, I I think that's an interesting one. Um, uh, I think the uh, the media is making a bigger deal out of it than it might be. Um, it's definitely not what you want to hear if you're if you're a dolphin fan, um, but you know it's it's June, so um, and and you know he's practicing against a pretty pretty good defense, um, but uh, it's it's a little early I think to to write him off as as you know somebody that's gonna do this in a game. Um, it's it's not i'm not going to try to spin it into a good sign it's not a good sign but uh i'm not sure it's such a big deal that i'm hearing it out to be yeah i mean uh, do you think there's more eyes on him because ryan Ryan fitzpatrick was there first and he actually played pretty decent and then Um, was okay at best yeah yeah and and you know i i've heard both sides of that argument from dolphins fans you know some people thought that uh, that Fitzmagic had finally done well enough that he had, might even settle with the team. Um, that was not to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but for the most part, I think people are really excited about Tua. Um, they believe in Tua. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, locally in Miami, he's going to have a lot of optimism behind him. He can shake off you know, a five interception day in minicamp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no biggie. <laughs> Just a five interception day. No, no problem. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess, you know, it's minicamp. So it's like, well, you know, let me know what happens in August. You know, when we start to see you guys on the, on the field and they're throwing actual balls against defensive with pads on and whatnot. Um, uh, last but not least, we can't talk, can't forget about the uh, Tennessee uh, Super Team Titans. Um, so, I, wh- I, what is your impression of uh, Julio Jones fitting in there at training camp, especially with like, you know, um, Ryan Tannehill and uh, Derrick Henry? And I think we talked about a little bit about him last week, but now we got another week to kind of look at it. Would Julio's fitting in? How about that? Surprise. I mean, right? I I think. I think nobody should be surprised that he's fitting in. This is something that he wanted. Um, it's a huge opportunity for everybody involved, but especially for him. Um, you know, you see some videos of him in in the practices, and he seems to really be working his ass off. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I, I think that it's just, it can't be understated that, that they got things figured out as quickly as they did because now he has all this valuable time on this new team to get in reps, to get to know the other players on the team, to get to know the offense, and uh, and really just focus on being the best part of that offense that he can be. Yeah. Because um, it looks like he's already full throttle. So. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, the guy's definitely locked in. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still skeptical of the, the fit. Uh, I don't really like super teams, to be honest with you. I don't think they really ever sort of accomplish what they're supposed to. So I'm a little, I'm I'm always skeptical, especially in Jul and June. I almost said July. We're not even in July, man. I mean, we're, we're you know, we'll, we'll we'll get back to me in August, honestly. You know, um, and then uh, you know, we got to mention him, Tim Tebow, um, looking decent at tight end. Um, I, I would I, if it was me, I would <laughs> if we could have three people in this podcast, I'd take Tim Tebow in five seconds. Oh, absolutely. Get yeah, him on he, the show, man. <laughs> right? He, even if he was playing tight end on the show, I'd still take him. So, like, I don't even know why he's here. He's just he's just lining up at center. Somebody move this guy away, away from me. But, uh, no, I I, um, I think, I think you know, if anything, I, I mean, who knows if he makes a roster, but the guy works really hard. He's got a really good work ethic, and um, he's Urban Meyer's guy, right? Well, and I think he's finally where he should have been. Um, you know, yeah. I, I – I think he's a tremendous athlete, um, really talented. I never really saw him as being, you know, anything other than a, a trick play under center. Um, playing tight end, I think he's going to be dangerous. Um, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> so oh. you know, I, I I don't understand sometimes the uh, the obsession that this country as a whole has with him. I mentioned a couple podcasts ago that he already has the number one selling jersey on NFL.com. Um, I don't think he's that kind of super athlete. But, uh, you know, that was really what you heard from the naysayers when he was playing quarterback is he should be playing tight end. Well, now he is playing tight end. So uh, best of luck to him. And uh, I think he's going to give us uh, an exciting show. Yeah, <laughs> right. If anything, we're going to get more content out of it, <laughs> which I'm okay with. You, you know uh, that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm all good with that. Um, what do you think about uh, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes gracing the cover of Madden 22? And uh, are you going to go out and buy it and pre-order it right after the show, right once we record it? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's awesome getting those two guys uh, on the cover. I think, um, in, you know, the the obvious tag is you know the goat and the kid uh kid being a baby goat um, <laughs> can we stop with this goat i can't stand the goat conversation you know that's you, you know that's what it is though i hate um, it so much like everybody he's the goat of this he's the goat of that it's just like i can't i can't with the goat man I, it's such a bullcrap whatever generation term it yeah uh, god it's, it makes me sick to my stomach but anyway, yeah, go ahead. The baby goat. Bah. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's cool. Uh, you know, it's not often. This might, I think, only be the second time that they put two players on the cover. Um, so, so that's definitely fun. Um, you know, 
people these days aren't really worried about the Madden cover curse anymore. That's kind of fallen from relevancy. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a cool cover. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the idea of uh, two goats on the <laughs> two goats on the cover. I mean, honestly, like it's uh, it's kind of yeah, it's, it's it's fun. It's a video game, you know. Put more people on the cover. Put Elmo on there. Put me. Uh, put uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> put put uh you know john if uh, john, i don't i don't care you know put somebody on there put put more people yeah, just load up the picture you know <laughs> uh you know papa john i don't i don't care you know uh i think the game is terrible so uh you know it's, it is what it is i i think it's a terrible representation of the nfl and that's just my take i think if you really want a good football game for all you football nerds out there you nimrods um espn nfl 2k5 it's, it's a classic. Go get it on PS2 or Xbox. I, I guarantee it'll be better than Madden 22. But I like the idea of the cover, having two people on it. So, <laughs> that was like the worst take of all time. Okay. Uh, moving, on to, <laughs> moving on to our uh, part three coverage of the uh, 2021 NFL draft. Trevor, what did you think of Michael Carter going to New York Jets at round four, 107? Running back from North Carolina. Um what do you think of them building their offense around three rookies? Well, I mean, you know, I think, you know, they, they, they're being aggressive. That's the best you can do with a team that's in that situation. Um, you know, th this guy has a lot of potential, but you know, there's a lot of running backs in this draft with a lot of potential. Um, so the bigger, I think the bigger factor going forward with this pick as to whether or not it really works out in their favor is going to be how they use him, um, how they try to balance their offense, um, not just balancing the offense, but balancing the load. I think a lot of teams are going to have to think, uh, you know, re rethink how they balance the load in the backfield now that it's a 17 game season. Right. Um, you know, it, you know, the, it, that's, that's just a, you know, it changes, it changes a lot of things a little bit, but one of the things that changes the most, I think, is the number two running back position uh, just got a lot more important for every team. Um, so, uh, so I, I do, I do like this pick. Um, I like the pick a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about New York's line, uh, but they have a big guy, Mackay Becton, at left tackle there. So, like, he's just a body mover and just a big big boy he's just he eats a lot i must because the guy yeah. can just move guys left and right so I, I just like you're right though 17 game season you're gonna need two or three dudes you can move in and out even if they're not third third <clears throat> excuse me three down running backs so big fan of the pick um 112 uh fourth round detroit takes amon Ra st brown uh from usc uh are you a fan of USC wide receivers as much as I am? I mean, who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> good, good answer. Uh, I, I just think about over the years, like Dwayne Jarrett, he didn't do anything, right? Uh, Steve Smith, uh, he went to New York, he didn't do anything. Um, Mike Williams, he went to Detroit, he sucked. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, but in recent years, they've been better. Juju Smith-Schuster, actually same same size as this guy. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Um, I thought he was a really good pick in round four because I think he could have went early in three. And he's uh, 6'1", 195. Kind of a, a good frame for an outside receiver. What, what do you think about his uh, kind of his future in the NFL? Well, I mean, 
I think it's an excellent opportunity for him. Um, Detroit hasn't had, you know, a strong receiving core in a long time now. They, they only ever have one, maybe briefly two, uh, standout wide receivers at a time. So this is definitely an area of the offense that they need to develop. Um, so uh, it, it's definitely a pick that fits their needs pretty well. Um, but, man, I, I just don't know. Uh, I, I feel like they're, they're facing a downgrade. That's my opinion. They're facing a downgrade at the quarterback position this year. Mm, mm. Um, so, uh, you know, I, this, is, this could work out. This could really um, provide them some of the help that they need. But uh, overall, it's, it's a rough situation for that offense. Yeah, yeah, I concur. I mean, anytime you replace um, Matt Stafford with Jared Goff, I mean, that's uh, – I don't really have a metaphor for that. But, <laughs> no. you know, that'd be like drinking, like, like uh, orange juice with pulp when you're not used to drinking orange juice with pulp. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like that's uh, not something I would want to – I would want to put myself through, but it is what it is. So, um I, I really like this pick um, at number 115, fourth round. Dallas took Jabril Cox. They're rebuilding that linebacking core. And they take a guy who's just really good in coverage in 6'4", 231, super athletic, played for LSU. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? You know, um, he even he went to North Dakota State, was an FCS All-American and champion up there, and then played at LSU for a year and got, and got more well-rounded. Do you think this guy has more... Uh, potential in terms of his his career, given that he only played one year in the SEC? I mean, I think that's not to be, you know, that's an important point. Uh, it's not so much that he only played one year in the SEC. He made it to the to an SEC defense while he was in college. Right. Um, you know, he might have taken the long path, but that's where he finished. Um, and I think that's a big deal. Right. Uh, Dallas, Dallas definitely has their eye on developing some young linebacker talent, and Jabril Cox has a real shot at it. Um, so I, I think he's definitely a player to keep your eye on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll be good, and and they're, you know, like we talked about last one of the last um, episodes we did, where they lost um, Sean Lee and they took um, Micah Parsons in the first round. They get another guy who's uh, starting caliber. And you know what? They didn't offer a fifth a fifth year option to the uh, <laughs> can't remember his name. He's uh, yeah yeah. They're they're Boise State linebacker. They took there a couple of years ago. Uh, Lane Vanderesh, sorry. And right. so I so I think it's important to have just I, we talked about how it's really important, especially in a seventeen game season, to have guys in the pipeline and it, it, linebacker, defensive tackle. It, Offensive line, running backs, whatever you need, like you need depth at all these positions now, and you need to be, you, you, these guys need to be developed, you know. So it's a, I like the pick of Jabril Cox, six four two thirty one. I, I like his athleticism. I like his size. Um, round four, one twenty, running back from Oklahoma, Ramondre Stevenson, Legarrette Blunt, size six feet two forty five. What do you like about this guy? Well, I mean, I. We've already mentioned that there's a lot of safe bets in this draft when it comes to running backs, and a lot of great ones are, are falling into these middle rounds. Um, even with all that said, uh, it's just 
kind of hard to go wrong with an Oklahoma running back. They always have a stable of guys. You know, a, a, a team that I watch a lot in college, and uh, you know, they get a career or sorry, a season-ending injury to their starting running back, and the offense doesn't even miss a beat. They always have two or three guys ready to come in and carry the load as though they were the starter all along. Um, Stevenson is a very physical, fast running back. Um, and we've already talked in this episode about how much more, uh, you know, you know, the running backs are going to have to share the load to keep people healthy through a 17-game season. I think this is a great guy to add to any backfield. Um, and so I think the, the Patriots get a real good asset here. Yeah, yeah, I like the pick a lot. I thought, if anything, the Patriots lacked last season. It was physicality up front, and they just need a guy who like is the opposite of Damian Harris, and who could just run people over, and they can be kind of like a like the the a boom and shake combination, for lack of a better term, you know. And and there, <laughs> to be honest with you, Sony Sony Michelle is uh, probably out. I mean, they didn't pick up his fifth year option you got to have guys in the pipeline at running back who know the system. And typically in the New England, in the Patriots system, it takes a year or so to get warmed up to it. So he might not even play this season. He might not play a lot, but next, uh, I would like to see him, but uh, you, you just need guys you can develop. And they're really good at taking those fourth route running backs. I mean, Damian Harris, James White over the years. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other ones they've gotten. Danny Woodhead out of free undrafted free agency. Um, they found Rex Burkhead in free agency. So like, if anything, Bill knows how to do. It's front seven and running backs uh, on either side of the ball. I mean, so I trust him with this pick. Uh, let's see here. One eighteen. Chris Rump, the second. Duke used was considered a first-round pick at first. Um, really productive at Duke, especially in his senior se- senior season. Excuse me. Uh, what do you think about him taking over the position that Melvin Ingram played there at three-four? Well, it definitely fills a need. Um, yeah. Like you said, Ingram's not going to be there. Um, so I I think, you know, it's it's a little difficult to uh, to, I mean, to to choose between some of these talented DNs coming out of the college system. Right. Um, so a lot of the a lot of the teams focus more on on, you know, finding the, the size player that they like. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Rump, I think he's going to fit in great. Um, whether or not he can in, up his game to the, the quickness that's needed to really be effective off the edge in the NFL, it's, you know, you got to have to see it to believe it. But uh, I think uh, this is another one. I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but when it comes to the defensive line, whether we're talking tackles or, or defensive ends, um, you just kind of have to scoop up as many players that you see having that potential and then, uh, you know, letting them letting them prove it. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. I mean, you have a need, you fill it, and you get a guy who was once considered a first-round pick in the fourth round. So, I mean, you might take a flyer on him. I don't know why he fell, but – if anything, if it doesn't work out, it's just a fourth round pick. You know, that's the way I look at it. So, um, how about? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm I miss I'm missing here. Uh, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, we'll talk about a guy in between there, but Chuba Hubbard, 126 to Carolina, um, fourth rounds. 
a guy who ran for 2,000 yards in back-to-back seasons and falls to the fourth round. Uh, what do you think of this guy? So that that's what I was going to say. He he really is a guy that can carry an offense uh, through an entire season. Um, I think that's, I, I'm a little surprised to see him all the way down here at 126th overall. Mm. Um, so to put him on the same backfield as Christian McCaffrey, um, I think this works out great for Chuba. It works out great for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works out really great for uh, Sam Darnold. So, yeah, yeah, I like uh, the pick too. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's just another guy that you put in the backfield. McCaffrey got hurt last season, so if it's a dude who can who can run, you can just plug and play. Even if for a couple seasons, it's kind of like that Monty Ball effect in Denver. You know, where he was super productive in college and just kind of was good for a year or two in in, in the NFL. It's just that's kind of what I see out of this guy. I, I don't think he's going to be fantastic, but I think he's going to be sort of like a nice spell for McCaffrey every then, every now and then. Um, Tylen Wallace, another guy from Oklahoma State, fourth, one thirty-one overall to Baltimore. Uh, a guy who very well was, I think, was even slotted to go at the end of the second round, fell to the basically the end of the fourth. What is Baltimore good at? Taking guys, taking flyers on guys all over the the draft, and being really good at at scouting. Um, what do you think of a guy who uh, slipped and went to Baltimore? <laughs> but Baltimore has a hard time developing wide receivers, so it's kind of you know, it's you, one oh, of those that's things. that's exactly what yeah. it is. I think Baltimore drafts really, really well, um, but in in recent years they've had a string of bad luck when it comes to uh, drafting wide receivers, especially in the in the upper rounds. Um, so you know. Maybe this can uh, break that trend. Um, you certainly hope that it can. But uh, you know, I think this is another great pick for this particular team um, for that very reason. They do need to develop some young wide receiver talent unless they want to just go out and, and purchase proven guys, which is what the draft is all about avoiding. Um, mm. So uh, I think this is a great pickup for them. Um because like it was, it's 131st overall. Um, it's not right. the same commitment as drafting, uh, you know, Hollywood Brown or somebody. So. Right, right. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. So there's not a lot of risk in it. And like at the end of the day, you kind of need like a bu- a bunch of depth in terms of developing wide receivers because it can't just be. I think they took Rashad Bateman. Um, yeah, at the end of the first round. So it's like, why not? Grab a bunch and see who sticks because you need five or six of them. And with that offense, you may only need four, honestly, with the running, the amount of running they do. Um, try to make this a quick one. Ian Book, uh, New Orleans, four, round four, 133, was a four-year starter at Notre Dame. What, you, uh, <laughs> what can he learn um, behind Jameis Winston? It's the only reason I'm laughing because he's, he's, he's going to be playing <laughs> behind Jameis Winston. But he's going to be learning from Sean Payton, too. So I think he's in a really good situation. No, you're right, and uh, you know, Sean Payton, it, it, he's a better coach than I give him credit for a lot of the time, um, but uh, he's definitely got things figured out for the most part with the Saints. That's that's a team that's been at a high level ever since he got there. Um, this is an interesting pick. Um, like you said, he's a four-year starter for Notre Dame. Um, the New Orleans Saints 
uh, have a very complete roster, and and perhaps the biggest uh, question mark for them is uh, whether or not they can replace Drew Brees with anybody. Um, so it, it just it, you know I feel like this raises a lot of questions in terms of what they think the future is with Jameis mm-hmm. Winston. Um, you know, it'd be a little more telling if they had gone out and gotten a, a higher profile QB in this draft, traded up mm. for somebody. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, Ian Book might be somebody they see that they can develop into uh, exactly what they need to to, to captain their offense and, and play balanced football again. Um, if you want my opinion, Jameis Winston's not that guy. Yeah. Um, so, so they do have to have some sort of plan in place, um, and the, the draft. You know, when it comes to a quarterback, the draft doesn't have to be your only plan, but it, it, it certainly is a place that you want to take your shot. Uh, so, this is an interesting pick, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's worth the risk. If anything, it's it, you. You take a fourth round flyer on a guy who was. Um, in a pro style offense who really um, performed. I mean, he threw 34 touchdowns in his junior season. He only had 15 last year. I, I don't know if they changed the offense quite a bit, but he was, you know, 60, 64% passer. I mean, he was a winner. He's played in big games. Um, you know, see what he can do when he's playing with Sean Payton. You know, I, I don't see why you wouldn't take a, a risk on him. And at the end of the fourth round, I think he was at the highest he was going like second or third round. So that's a pretty good pick. Um, Real quick, uh, two guys I want to touch base on while we still got a tiny bit of time here. Brevin Jordan, tight end from Miami. Um, usually Miami, there's just a tight end factory, especially with guys who are super athletic. If you look out throughout the years, um, David Njoku kind of strikes me as one from uh, Cleveland took a couple years ago. But even then, you know, Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow, um, Golly, I, I'm sure I'm missing out on a few of these guys, but that that just comes to my mind from the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Um, Brevin Jordan, uh, worth the risk uh, for a 6'3", 245 tight end from Miami? Oh, athletic, super athletic? What do you think? I mean, I, I, I think it's a great uh, – you hear me say this too much. I, I don't think it's a risk. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if anything – the, the risk is for Brevin Jordan. He's going to be playing for the Texans. Um, so I, I don't even know if we're going to get a fair assessment oh, of these guys God. that are drafted by the Texans. Yeah. Um, you know, who's who's going to be throwing him the ball? Right. Um, uh, that's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, round, I'm going to jump to round six real quick here just because we're going to go through a lot of sort of miscellaneous picks and guys who are may or may not make the roster, but here's a guy who I think will make the roster. Jalen Twyman. Uh, the Vikings took him uh, six round, 199 overall. Just another guy from Pitt, man. He's going to play next to Patrick Jones. They took on in the second round. A super athletic strength, big, big time. I think he just flew under the radar, as most guys do. Um just in a really deep draft, so especially on the front seven. What do you think about this guy, uh, uh, Twyman? Uh, I mean, this is a pick that I love. Um, you know, they the Vikings just brought Sheldon Richardson back on a one-year deal, and he's, he features into the offense in a big way. Um, but it is a one-year deal. Um, so, I, you know, 
developing these young guys on the defensive line. You just can't have enough of it, especially if you've already got, you know, a lot of the the rest of the roster figured out. Um, right. And you know, I, we we've already talked a couple times tonight about how the the running backs need to be really balanced because of the 17 game season. Well, you know, your D line needs a lot of relief in a 16 game season. So bringing in these young guys with big physicality. Um, in the draft, uh, I love it. I love these, uh, you know, picking up these guys on the D line because yeah. it, it, injuries. When these guys do get injured, it's it's difficult for them to come back on any kind of short timeline. Sure. Um, and even when they're all healthy, they don't get to play every down. It, it's too, you know, these guys they, they try to play every down and they just get gassed. Um, so you've got to be able to bring in fresh bodies on your D-line. So I love this pick. Yeah, I like the pick too. I think like um, some guys can get overshadowed sometimes playing for a bad team, which Pittsburgh was. Um, <laughs> it's just honest. I mean, Patrick Jones was a, an excellent player, and I think he went like way later than he was supposed to go. And, um, I mean, if anything Minnesota knows how to do, it's A, pick guys in the front seven, and two, develop guys in the front seven. So I think it's an excellent pick. Um, last guy I want to touch base on, and then this we're gonna. This is gonna be a wrap up for the uh, the draft here. Um, I kind of like this pick. It's a little sneaky. Uh, I you know <laughs> I don't know if anybody really knows who this guy is, but Larry Roundtree the third. He's a running back for uh, went to Missouri, five ten, two ten. Um, was a really, really, really good runner throughout his career. And I think at one point was even rated up to second round right before um, the season started here and just slipped for one reason or the other, maybe a bad pro day or what have you. Uh, I'm, I'm game man for more running backs. I think especially for LA, like with, um, with Hebert, uh, Herbert, excuse me, at, at quarterback, like you can't have enough guys who might be able to shuffle in and make a difference. In that offense, you know, so especially with a dude who's run for over a thousand yards a couple of years in a row in Missouri uh, and the SEC, no less, you know. No, I, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah. The, Larry Roundtree the third. Yeah. That name. Um, <laughs> it's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Just like the name. I think uh, I think the Chargers are another team that have a really, really well-developed overall roster. Um, they certainly look like they have their quarterback situation figured out. Um, they can have him locked in for a long time. So adding a guy like this to the to the offense um, just makes it, you know, you want to you want to be able to just keep your foot on the gas when you have the ball. Right. And uh, having fresh legs at the running back position just can't have enough of that yeah yeah no i i agree i i think it's a good pick and especially you know six round that's sort of we can get some value in running backs i mean you like over the years like alfred morris came out of the six rounds um sure there's other guys <laughs> that's one that stands out to me just because of the season he had uh with with rg3 you know so it's like if the the offense is already open like you said you're collecting young talent like why not take a flyer in sixth round? Maybe play special teams first year, turn some punts, um, learns the offense, and it makes a difference. You know, you never know. So, um, 
well, that's uh, that that's our draft. It took us three episodes. Um, sorry, but we had a lot to say. I hope you enjoyed the analysis. <laughs> 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 I know I did. <laughs> what what did you uh, what did what did you make of the twenty twenty one draft as a conclusion here? I mean, I you know we we've talked about it for three weeks now, um, and just even going back over it during the podcast has been a lot of fun because I think there's a whole lot of things to be excited about. Um, whatever, whatever team you root for, whatever division your team is in, um, there's a lot of interesting new players this year, uh, mm. and I, I think they're poised to make a big difference, especially uh, with the extra game this year. I right. Think, I think that's going to have a bigger impact than a lot of people expected to. Totally. Um, when it comes to rotating your D line, having depth on the D line and the O line. Um, and having having depth at the running back position, um, you know, all these positions are really exhausting and important and, right. and injury prone. Um, so uh, it really does put uh, an emphasis on on what you got out of your draft this year. Yeah, yeah, no question. You couldn't have said it better. And I think even that seventeenth game is going to add a lot of uh, potential for development as well. Um, and so it's really important to have rookies and have guys that you scouted pretty deep here um, that you pick. And, you know, and, and, and obviously, like, you know, your SEC guys, I always say, I, I make sure I say, make an emphasis to say SEC because at the end of the day, that's the premier conference. And if you look at it, 65 guys get picked to the SEC. We talked about round six pretty briefly, but there were 16 guys from the SEC that were picked in round six. So I think wow. if that gives you any yeah, indication that it's a fairly deep conference, and not only that, but like that, a lot of the teams uh, picking in this draft. I mean, 65 out of the 259. That's probably what like a quarter of the players that were from the SEC. So um, yeah, easily. You know, and so, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 just it's one of those things where um, I think it's 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 important to do the scouting and have that depth and have guys that are ready to go. And the SEC is this they're the conference that produces pro players. <laughs> I mean. That's just the way it is. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed the, the reflection here. I, th- I loved watching the draft this year because it was live again. And to me, there's no better, like, tease, like, the tip than uh, the, the, the draft <laughs> in May. And between then and uh, the end of July, it's uh, sort of no man's land. But it's not going to be no man's land here. We're going to keep you entertained. We're going to find a lot of things to talk about. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some, some bad takes like I had on Madden earlier. So it's <laughs> <laughs> just the way it's going to go. So, uh, yeah, man, any other thoughts here before we wrap it up? I'm just going to quickly mention that I'm also really excited, um, you know, with, with the way the draft went. There's a lot of players we want to get a look at um, as soon as we can. And uh, having a preseason this year when we didn't get one last year, um, I've never been more excited about some of these preseason matchups because it's going to be our first look at a lot of these young players uh, that have a chance to make big differences to their teams. Right, right. Good to agree more, man. I'm excited to, for the season to start. And next episode, we'll finally cover. Uh, do, <laughs> we'll finally do a preview of the NFL schedule heading up this season, and some more scuttlebutt and the mini cans and whatnot. In NFL news. Uh, I'm at Bobby Law on Twitter. Trevor at, at Trev Geo Dude on uh, Instagram. Oh, uh, excuse me. I'm at Bobby Line Instagram. I said the wrong the wrong thing. They're all the same things nowadays, anyway. So, <laughs> um, 
Uh, and uh, you can catch us on Instagram at, at football and general pod. We'll have Twitter up soon. I swear to God. Uh, also, just uh, you know, give us a give us a like, a listen, and subscribe because at the end of the day, we're, you guys are the ones that run our, that give us the uh, the boost on the show. So we we enjoy it. Uh, Trev, send us away. Uh, yeah, I'm having a great time doing this. I hope everybody's enjoying. And uh, also, if there's anything that we're not talking about that you'd like us to speak more on, uh, you can send a message to myself or or Rob or just to the uh, the podcast page. Uh, let us know what you want to hear about. And with that, we're out.